Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Today we're taking a look at uh, all the justices' opinions in the Dobbs decision. We're also going to be dealing with the dissent as well as the majority opinion and the concurrences. My guest in this segment is uh, John Zarnetsky, who's chief executive officer and dean at the Ave Maria School of Law. He also served as a legal advisor to the Holy See's mission to the United Nations, representing the Holy See in negotiations, including establishing the International Criminal Court and several international treaties, including one on the rights of persons with disabilities. Uh, Dean Zarnetsky is a lay member of the Dominican Order and a third-degree Knight of Columbus. And uh, it's great to have you back with me, John. Thanks. Oh, uh, great to be here, Al. We want to talk about Justice Thomas. He writes uh, that the court well explains why, under our substantive due process precedents, the purported right to abortion is not a form of liberty protected by the due process clause. Such a right is neither deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition, nor is it implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Um, The idea that the framers of the 14th Amendment understood the Due Process Clause to protect a right to abortion is farcical. Then he says, I write separately to emphasize a second more fundamental reason why there is no abortion guarantee lurking in the Due Process Clause. And so you're here to tell us <laughs> what he's arguing for or against. Yes, and uh, it's a real pleasure to be on your show, uh, it particularly to talk about uh, this may be the most important Supreme Court decision of my lifetime yeah, and yeah. maybe the last 100 years easily. So it's a real privilege to be here. Um, Justice Thomas uh, really should be lauded uh, for having guts, for being forthright, and for uh, calling out the court on its uh history of bad decision-making in this area. What he's attacking in that language that you just read, that last sentence, is uh, the idea, and it's a technical term in constitutional law, of substantive due process. Now, if I get anything else across, Al, to your audience, (laughs) think about those three words, and it's positively Orwellian. Substantive due process. (laughs) What do we mean by substantive process? Those terms are normally in opposition. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And that's what Justice Thomas is calling out. In fact, the Supreme Court, a hundred years ago, when, or just about a hundred years ago, when it was um, invalidating the some of the terms of the New Deal using substantive, substantive due process turned on a dime when FDR threatened them with court packing and rejected this very doctrine of substantive due process. Mm-hmm. What we see uh, over time in the 20th century is with the sexual revolution, um, the court resurrects this idea of substantive due process to find constitutional rights that are not enumerated. So the court rejected its earlier precedent, saying there's a right to contract when when threatened by uh, FDR and the political branches, but then resurrected this notion 
when it came to uh, decisions like Roe versus Wade. Uh, so what, what Justice Thomas is saying is the Due Process Clause requires that a citizen be given process before life, liberty, or property is taken away okay. from them. Okay. That's it. It doesn't announce new substantive rights. Uh, the death penalty, for example, what right is more fundamental than the right to life? Mm -hmm. The government can take it away from you, however, the yeah. right to life, as long as they provide process. Right. What the Supreme Court was doing in cases like Roe, or at least purporting to do, was import substantive rights through the 14th Amendment. Um, and and Thomas is, uh, Justice Thomas is ju simply saying that doesn't work. Um, this is merely the 14th Amendment due process clause merely protects your right to process, uh, whatever processes do, before rights are taken away. It doesn't define It doesn't what establish rights. rights. Yeah. You know, that's right. That's a, it is. It's a, it is funny. It's, it is in that way. It's it, substantive due process is oxymoronic. I mean, it, it's contradiction. It yeah, yeah. That's funny. Now um, it's it's interesting, and you know, I'm a law professor and a dean, and my wife's always telling me, John, land the plane. Uh, so I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't want to get overly pedantic with you, um, but. Um, the, the Supreme Court has gotten itself, in, in my mind, into a little bit of a philosophical bind. Both the original Constitution in Article 4 and the 14th Amendment in the wake of the Civil War have what are called uh, privileges and immunities. Yes, clauses. okay. So the 14th Amendment says no state shall in make any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. What that clause, and the, the clause in the original Constitution, which prohibits Congress from doing the same thing, those clauses, the very wise drafters of the document, realized that there might be privileges and immunities that were not spelled out in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. By the way, privileges and immunities is synonymous with what we now call rights, okay. at least most people would say. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so the, the 14th Amendment says uh, privileges and immunities shall be protected. Now, ironically, uh, the court, I think, I'm not a historian in this area, so I, I'm willing to be corrected, the court was worried about judges interpreting privileges and immunities and importing rights into the Constitution that are not privileges and immunities or rights of citizenship. But isn't that ironic that they, and so therefore the court early on circumscribed the meaning of privileges and immunities clause, very, very limited scope oh. under the 14th Amendment or the Constitution. But then notice, uh, so they limit the scope of the clause that was intended to take into account rights that are not enumerated, and then later they import such rights under a process clause. Isn't that interesting? That is. That is. Um, so the Constitution recognizes that uh, there may well be unenumerated rights. Is that right? Well, uh, most historians of the Privileges and Immunities Clause would say yes. Yeah. And so the question is, however, who and how do we identify what those rights are? Exactly. Who does yeah. it and how do we do it? Yeah. 
Um, Justice Thomas points this out uh, in his opinion, and he doesn't answer the question. Why? Because he's a good justice. He says, um, for those that are following along on page four of his opinion, uh, if we were to do this analysis properly, we would do it under the Privileges and Immunities Clause, and that would require us to answer two questions. Number one, does that clause protect any non-enumerated rights, given where we're at today? And two, if so, how do we identify them? Yeah. Now, he, he doesn't answer those right, questions right. because that's not before him. He says abortion, under any circumstances, wouldn't fit either of those questions, wouldn't fit into either of those questions. Yeah. And, and that's where you see in the press, Al, um, people seizing on Justice Thomas. Thomas is for overturning this case or that case. Well, uh, he specifically says that any cases that rely on substantive due process should be overruled on that basis. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't, because that's the wrong analysis. And his job is to give what the proper meaning of the Constitution is. That doesn't necessarily mean and uh, the other, some of the other justices addressed this as well, that these other decisions would be overruled. Right. All he's calling for in the first instance is, look, let's be intellectually consistent here and apply the right analysis to these issues. You know, he says also in, in this uh, concurrence that the right to abortion is ultimately a policy goal in desperate search of a constitutional justification. Uh, That's right. So he's acknowledging that uh, this is there may be a way at getting to abortion, but it's not through constitutional uh, rationale. It has to be through some sort of legislative goal. That's what it looks like to me. Is that what he's getting across here? Y yes, with the, with the one small quibble that... He doesn't, yes, he, when he says in search of a constitutional justification, I think he's signaling, obviously, that we've used the wrong constitutional justification right. before. We need to do this privileges and immunities uh, analysis. But then, as I pointed out, in the opinion itself, he says, using the proper analysis, abortion doesn't fit. So it's obviously just a policy-making goal, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so he's been, as you pointed out, he's, he's really been uh, uh, you know, pilloried for his being the guy who's just waiting on the sidelines to uh, overturn uh, previous decisions like Griswold, Connecticut, and then Lawrence v. Texas, and then um, the Obergefell uh, Hodge decision. So he'd want to. The idea is he's going to strip away right to a contra contraception. He's going to strip away uh, a right to engage in same-sex acts. He's going to strip away same-sex uh, marriage. But he makes it clear that this decision doesn't do that. And and also Alito makes that clear. Uh, Kavanaugh makes that clear. So if if that's right. If, so if. He, in order to go after this broader issue of substantive due process that he's concerned about, some other case would have to come through the court, right? That where they'd want to undertake a full uh, review of substantive due process. 
That's that's correct. And I would say not just one case. Uh, it would have to be a series of cases. I forget which opinion it, it is, but one of the other opinions, one of the other justices points out that, you know, abortion in a way is an easy case uh, under under this kind of reasoning because it, it's different than all of those other rights. Right. It involves uh, the life of another person. That's right. Yeah. When we're talking about contraception, gay marriage, somebody's life is not at stake. Right. So right there, there's a qualitative difference. That's right. But on, on the broader question, you, you, you jumped right to the heart of it, Al. On the broader question, Justice Thomas, let's see if I can put this in law professor very succinctly. Justice Thomas is saying we need to focus on the Privileges and Immunities Clause, point one. Point two, if we do that, we have to figure out what the test is for what is a, priv- what is a right yeah. that is protected. And then number three, and here this gets to your question, for each of those rulings, so gay marriage, contraception, etc., we would have to apply this new test, whatever it ends up being, to that particular circumstance. Yeah. So just like each of these so-called rights um, took an individual case, we will have to redo the whole thing, yeah. case by case. Yeah, and that's nothing that happens overnight, as we've just seen. <laughs> that's right. With abortion. John, thanks. Uh, very helpful. And looking forward to talking with you again. Talk to you soon, Al. Thank you. John Zarnetsky is Chief Executive Officer and Dean at the Ave Maria School of Law. I'm Al Cresta.